Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On board this aircraft, there are six emergency exits. Hello, everybody. This is Ron, your captain speaking. We are currently 30,000 feet in the air, and we haven't even left the airport. We just lit the joint. <laughs> just getting a little, little pilot humor there. We like to have fun. Our destination today is Casablanca, Morocco. So Seven footers crew, what is up? It is so good to be back with you guys in the midst of the NBA playoffs. The association is popping off, Gerard. It I- is. The, these these series, Jenna. I mean, we're 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 at some pivotal game fives. Um pivotal. Pivotal, right? I mean, teams teams trying to trying to prevent themselves from going down. Three, two, where they have to stave off elimination. <laughs> yes. What was extremely nerve-wracking, too, though, is that a lot of these teams escaped three and one deficit holes, which you uh, know yeah. from many years past. Listen, you get you get in that three and one hole, and it's uh, you know, it's tough sledding to get out. I mean, we've seen it happen twice in recent memory, but you know, it it's it, it's a tough one to, to to get out of. So, you know, gotta be mindful out there. It is. Like you said, pivotal game fives approaching in the conference semis. So let's get right into it and talk about the Sixers and the Heat. Because like we guys told you in our betting segment, they are playing tonight on Tuesday, May 10th. And the series is tied 2-2. to Now, they've had some close ones here, Gerard. I mean, Joel Embiid is back from injury. You know, he had that orbital fracture concussion and you know came back put the mask on everybody was like oh my god it's Joel Embiid um so talk to me about this series no one recognizes him unless he's-, <laughs> he's got he's got the mask on look Jenna the the absence of Embiid was clearly felt right and you saw this 76ers team just struggle right I mean they couldn't execute good offense uh they were struggling on defense it's just in Miami took advantage all of a sudden, Embiid's back, and he's not even 100% healthy, right? And, like, still dealing with that orbital fracture. He's got the thumb like, uh, thumb injury where the ligaments are uh, going to need some surgery in the offseason. But his presence, right? Because now he's there, Miami has to be concerned about him because he's a load to handle, right? And so a couple times he got switched on to Kyle Lowry uh, in Game 3, right? And those that's, that's a win for, for the Philadelphia 76ers. And in Game 4, James Harden had a throwback game, dare we say, right? Like looking like somewhat like his old self. Of course, the challenge with this, Jenna, is, is it sustainable, right? Um, you know, shout out to Coach Thorpe, but one of the things he likes to say is, is that as you age, it isn't that you can never be great again. It's that the amount of times you can be great decreases, right? That's just, that's, that's what happens as you get old, right? Like calling Coach Thorpe, get in here. <laughs> you're not, you're not in your mid twenties where every night you can drop thirty eight. Like it's just, that's just not a thing anymore, right? So you have more bad days in between. The question is, with only twenty four hours break, right? Because, uh, because Game Four was on Saturday. How rested is James Harden? Can he produce that kind of effort again on the road? Maybe he will. Um, but history has shown us probably not. Right. 
Um, Ken Jordan. So that would be your prediction? Well, having a real conversation, two friends in a bar. <laughs> it, it, it's. It's tough sledding right now. I do think the presence of Embiid does still help and will make this game tough. Um, the question I have, too, is on the Miami side. You know, I worry about their half-court offense. Um, you know, and if Embiid's playing, look, one of the great things about Miami is their defense and that Bam out of bio can switch on anybody one through five. Shout out to our boy Brian Fonseca, who loves the Heat and thinks Bam out of bio is the greatest defensive player like ever. Well, maybe not ever, but of thinks this generation. He walks on water. <laughs> and Bam is excellent. But what I don't like is, yo, know, when you got Embiid on the floor, I don't necessarily want Bam switching out onto somebody else. I need Bam back to handle Embiid, okay? I don't want Kyle Lowry or some small person getting stuck on him, right? So that's something I'd be worried about about Miami. And then two, in terms of the half court now, and this will will hurt you on the other end, should Miami Heat dust off Duncan Robinson? We haven't seen him all series. We know Duncan. Yeah, where where has Duncan been? We know Duncan can shoot the lights out. The reason why Miami is not playing him is because they don't want him to get targeted on defense, right? Because he will be the obvious point that the Sixers look to screen and get onto them excuse me every time and if you have Hero and Duncan Robinson on the floor at the same time those are two dudes you can go directly at right and so Spolstra is kind of counterbalance that but look the playoffs are about adjustments and so this is an adjustment that I think may be warranted Speaking of adjustments, uh, switching sports for a second did you see the uh, game the other day the Yankees game or was it the I Mets? Did. Wait wait, wait. Um, what was it? Um, Boone was arguing yeah, yeah, yeah. with the yeah. the umpire, and he was like, "Make the effing adjustment! Make the effing adjustment!" <laughs> and he just kept going. He kept saying what, it. He was arguing about the strike zone for Aaron Judge, right? Because yeah. Aaron Aaron Judge was like six seven, and it's like, dude, his strike zone is different than a five foot nine person, which yeah. it is. <laughs> it was hilarious though. The umpire is going back at him too, and he's like, "You make the effing adjustment." I'm like, "Wait a minute, who's really?" It was funny. It was funny, but so okay. We got this pivotal game five. Who do you think is going to take it? I'm going to give Miami the slight edge because they're at home. But, Jenna, I think it's going to be close. And really, like in so many instances, the team that wins game five when the series is tied 2-2, it's just they're likely going to win it because now Mm -hmm. you have to win two in a row. And if you are the Sixers, two in a row, and one of them has to be in Miami because Miami has a game seven because they have home court advantage, right? And it's just game sevens on the road are tough to win. It can be done, but it's hard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate pressure. You talk about the pressure of the postseason and then just layer on top of that. So we shall see again, pending injury too. again, no Kyle Lowry for game five for the correct, which might be a good thing, Jenna, because again, as I said, the hamstring injuries I said in the betting show, the hamstring injury is still bothering him. And again, I don't want him switched on to Joel Embiid. That is a mismatch. So let's just I'm fine. Gabe Vincent was giving them good minutes. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, we shall see how that one plays out. Let's move on and talk about the Mavericks and the Suns. Another series that is tied 2-2. And again, we mentioned this also in the last segment, but things were getting chippy. It's getting heated, and we need to talk about who who has the upper hand tonight for Game 5. Again, Game 5 at home for Phoenix being the higher seed. This is why you fight all season to get home court advantage. Because in pivotal games, like when a series is tied 2-2, and you want to go up 3-2, it is always better to have that fifth, that game five, that pivotal game five on your home floor versus on the road. Every time so. we say pivotal, drink. <laughs> the pivotal drink. If you're 21. Game. If you're 21. Yes. Yeah, so the the I, I like the Suns with, the, with game five at home. But Jenna, we got to put out an APB, an all points bulletin for the point god. Where, where is he? You know have- what? 
since, listen, since the series moved to Phoenix, we have not seen him disappear. Since the series moved to Phoenix, we haven't seen I'm him. Excuse me, moved move to Dallas. Pardon or me. Dallas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am repeating you because you're, you're the <laughs> point guard. Um, but yeah, since the series moved to Dallas, Chris Paul has been playing well on the road whatsoever. I mean, the man had a rough week. He turned 37. I mean, you know, the whole we stuff with his family allegedly we're talking happened. About the, we're talking about greatness, right? It's when you're, when you're that age, it's hard to have, right? You have fewer great days in a row. Exactly. And the thing with Chris Paul, though, is if he's having off nights or a little stretch of this, we'll call it somewhat struggles, I guess. Um, actually, yeah. I mean, he found out the other night he was limited to like, what, six, five points. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, struggles. But if Chris Paul is going through this in the semifinals, in the conference semis, he's the, he's the tone setter. Mm -hmm. He is the leader of this squad. Mm -hmm. So that means you got to have guys like Booker step up and, mm -hmm. you know, be – a leader and not that he isn't, but like, let's be serious. We always talk about how Chris Paul kind of, you know, leads the culture there. He is Chris Paul. I said it before, Devin Booker may be the sun's best player, but Chris Paul is the sun's most important player. Yeah. Right? And Chris is that tone setter, as you mentioned. Um, look, and it's not even necessarily about him scoring 20 and 12 assists. And I mean, yes, all that's nice. It's just that, yo, he, you can't just be in foul trouble, right? Like you can't be off the floor. Like that, that, that is yeah. a problem. We, we need you on the floor because we need, because we know when the game is tight. And by the way, the, the Suns were still in that game despite Paul being out with foul trouble mm -hmm. uh, in, late in that fourth quarter. But we know with Chris Paul on the floor, Jenna, in a game where execution matters, the Suns will always get into an effective offensive set and get a high quality shot. And in the playoffs, that's what it's about executing on both ends and on defense. Even if he switches onto someone like Luca, who he gives up six, seven inches to, it doesn't matter because Chris Paul is super strong low in, in, in his base area, and he's got quick hands, right, to swipe down and get and get the ball out, right. So he 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 is still excellent. One of the things that's concerning me, though, Jenna, about the Suns in this series, at least is how the, the two games that were in that were in Dallas, DeAndre Ayton, particular deep defensively, is not looking like himself. Um, you know, one of the things that we like about Aiton is, is that when teams go small, he can switch out to guard smaller guys on the perimeter because he can move his feet well laterally. Mm, he didn't look so good doing that in games three and four. And Mikael Bridges, their defensive player of the year candidate. Here's something interesting to note. Mikael Bridges, Bridges played all 82 games this season, and he is averaging 41 minutes a night in the playoffs. I'm going to go on a little limb, Jenna, and say he might be a little tired and run down right now. Um, uh -huh. And this is, you know, I talk about this all the time, Jenna, like, you, you know my feelings on this. The regular season is way too long. 82 games is a slog fest. And yeah. he got, he got oh. no nights off. He played mm -hmm. every single game. Yeah. And then you add the playoffs <laughs> on top of that. Like, I just, you know, it, it, it seems to me like Bridges could have used a nice week off before the playoffs started. To, to rest himself, uh, I just, it, it, it is it is the constant wear and tear and running through screens. And after a while, oh, your body just gets tired of doing that, man. Like, and it's not as easy to fight through screens as it was, you know, in August. Oh, not August, in October. And so I just, it, 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 it's something to definitely uh, keep an eye on. Those are the two things I'm watching on the sun side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you just said it, defensive player of the year uh, candidate, which means he was going hard. 
you know, mm-hmm. the whole season. Mm-hmm. And when you're going hard on D, it's a different story, of course. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hey, that puts some wear and tear on the body. I don't care how young you are. So he's going to need a nice vacation. Uh, For sure. whenever, whenever the season ends. And then yeah. on the on the Maverick side, look, Luca's doing his thing. Jalen Brunson seemed to wake up uh, in yep. Dallas. Um, you know, look, the, the Mavericks shot the hell out of the ball from three. Uh, they hit like 20 plus threes in, in game four. The question is, is Dorian Finney-Smith going to hit eight threes again? Probably not on the road. Um, yeah. You know, it was Maxi Kleber and and um, Davis Bertans. I mean, Davis Bertans hit like four to five threes in the first. I mean, I don't see that kind of electric shooting continuing. If it does, though, because of the variance of the three-point shot, Phoenix will find themselves in trouble. Um, so they're going to have to be much better closing out the shooters and making sure they're not giving, giving those points up. And watch the chess match between Monty and, and Jason Kidd when Kidd's going small. Is he trying to force Monty to take DeAndre Ayton off the floor, which is what this, which is ultimately what the Mavericks want? Uh, last note here. Speaking of Jason Kidd, I mean the re- his recent comments after uh, games. What was it? Two, three, four, whatever. About you know saying that the role players weren't stepping up enough to help Luca. Then turning it on Luca and saying mm-hmm. he needs to play defense. Mm-hmm. So with all of that, speaking of the role players, which team do you believe in this particular matchup has the best set of role players that show up consistently I mean because I mean this is going to be it's been coming down to the wire it's Phoenix uh Phoenix was 64 and 18 this season had the best record all year number two in adjusted net rating number three in adjusted offensive rating number three in adjusted defensive rating there's a reason why they got the number one seed and were the best basketball team all season long it's because not just Chris Ball and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton but everybody else was contributing and so I expect those guys to have bounce back games and play better uh, at home. Again, watch out for Cam Johnson. If you're targeting him on defense, uh, the Mavericks are trying to get him in isolation. So I have to do a better job of either moving him off onto someone else. So he's not as easy to screen off and to get into the matchup they want. Maybe they jump out and they hedge uh, or, or they blitz and trap on, on the pick and roll, depending on who the ball handler is, get some size if it's Brunson, uh, but some different ways in which the Suns can, can match that. But I like the Suns tonight to uh, go up three, two. Any worries about Luca and foul trouble at all? I mean, you know, look, I, I think the whistle will be probably a little less kind uh, to Dallas than it was uh, in game four. I just, you know, look, refs are humans, humans too, right? And when the crowd is sort of revved up and going in Phoenix and, you know, they draw a couple of charges, to start the game or what have you, I just think that that's going to, that's going to start things. And Luca, look, that's the other thing to mention there. Luca gets frustrated when he gets into foul trouble. So if he picks up a quick one or two fouls, right, watch how that impacts Dallas and it can start snowballing. Yep, 100%. All right, uh, let's move on and talk about the Celtics and the Bucks because the Celtics avoided themselves a 3-1 deficit thanks to Al Horford, who was sipping from the fountain of youth out there. Ponce he was out here. <laughs> I mean, you know, him and Giannis exchanging texts. Uh, <laughs> then his sister tweeted that uh-huh. she knew when he gave Giannis that look after that poster dunk that he was going to flip a switch, and that's exactly what he did without Robert Williams, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Al Horford putting the team on his back. Talk to me about that Celtic squad that avoided that 3-1 deficit to the Greek freak in the reigning uh, <laughs> champion Bucks. They, the Celtics can guard, Jenna. Jesus, they can play defense. Like, this team can guard their asses off. And they just kind of build a wall, and they're all so physical and tough. Like, Grant Williams, I've said it before, he's built like a fire hydrant. 
right? You got his first playoff start. Yeah. You got Al Horford. You got Marcus Smart. Of course, Tatum and Brown are excellent on the wings. I mean, you know, there really aren't a whole lot of holes in their defensive game plan. It's like, all right, you can try to attack Peyton Pritchard, but they limit the time he's on the floor. I mean, Daniel Tice, but even him, he's still big. and He's a big body, right? Robert Williams was hurt, did not play game four. Didn't matter. They didn't need him. Um, you know, this is an old school physical matchup, Jenna. A lot of just body blows yep. and just toughness being played here. And then you have Giannis, of course, on the other side and Brooke Lopez, who are just big monsters, right? And mm-hmm. just hard guys to move around just because of their size. And they're so big. And when Giannis particularly is coming down at you like a freight train downhill, like that's just a lot to stand in front of. But Grant Williams, again, strong, takes it in the chest like he can do it. Uh, that game four was really interesting. Uh, Boston's fourth quarter was just incredible. They ratcheted up the defense, and Milwaukee had no answers. They couldn't score. And in this, in a game like that, Jenna, in a series like this, this is where they miss Chris Middleton. Because yeah, Chris Middleton. And he's been out for a minute. Yeah, and Middleton likely is not going to be back anytime soon. His ability to score in isolation – you could run pick and roll with him. He's a three-level scorer, right? Can score from behind the arc, mid-range, and at the rim. Yeah. Like, it, that, that's a pressure release valve that they don't have now, right? Now you're putting more pressure on Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, all George Hill, fine players. But, I mean, Chris Middleton's a two-time All-Star. Like, that, right, that is a major piece to not have. And when you have a player like that, that's not allowing someone like a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown to yeah. rove off of whoever they got and take less of an and have a more of a, a relaxed night defensively because you're not as worried about his replacements. Uh, so it'll be tough. But look, Milwaukee has shown there's a formula to beating them, right? And to to, to beating the, the the Sixers. And look, if the Celtics aren't excuse me, the Celtics, if the Celtics aren't hitting threes, knew you'd catch it. So I that, <laughs> that is that is Bud's strategy, right? We're gonna wall off the paint. You're not scoring any baskets at the rim. You shoot your threes because our belief is you are a 36% shooting team and eventually you're going to regress to the mean. Now, the challenge with that, though, is that a playoff series is a small sample size. The longest it can go is seven days, seven games. That's not a, I mean, you can be hot for seven games. You can be hot for four of seven games. You can yeah. be hot for three. And that may all be all you need. Heck, you can be hot for three out of seven and three games is all you need, right? Mm-hmm. Because weird stuff happens in the other game. So that strategy of like, eh, we, we bet you're probably going to miss a little different. Now, if I'm, if I'm Milwaukee, stick to that strategy, but don't let Al Horford and Grant Williams have wide open threes in the corner where they can set their feet, look down at, I mean, come on, man. Like y'all got to close out better, run them off the three point line, force them to put the ball on the ground and take shots. They don't want to take versus again, wide open threes. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is no discredit to the Celtics or Al Horford, but, you know, thinking about it in reality, this next game that they have, is Horford going to have that type of night? So it's interesting, and, right? Cause, yeah, because we, we talked about it, right? The older you get, the, the great games, they come few and far between. Yeah. Okay. Al Horford's been playing well all postseason. He's shooting 50% from three, Jenna. 50% yeah. through these four games. Al Horford's 36, 37. He's not. 36. He's not in his 20s, okay? 24-hour turnaround. Game four was Sunday. Game five is going to be on Tuesday. Or 48 hours. And he played 42 minutes. Thank you. That's just where I was going. You See, that's how well you know me. That's exactly where I was going. 
42, and those were not 42 easy minutes. So 42 <laughs> intense minutes. He was getting body slam and exchanging body slams. Oh, yeah. and Giannis, he, he and Giannis were going back and forth. Can you expect reasonably Al Horford to do that again for 40 plus minutes in game five? I right. don't think so. Look, could it happen? Sure, it's possible. But the math says it's not likely, but we'll see. Yeah. Right, exactly. And Robert Williams, I believe, is questionable. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you never know what Celtics yeah. team a little bit you're going to get this time around. So, in game five. So, we shall see. Let's talk about the Grizzlies and the Warriors mm. because this is another great series. However, I don't know how great it's going to be after this one because the Dubs just took a 3-1 and one lead. Mm. And, you know, you don't want to be down in a 3-1 and one hole to – any team but the like any team, any team but the Warriors. Well, no. Jenna, you know my Grizzly Cubs. You know I I, I I stand for the Grizzlies. Those are my guys. Riding with them for a bit ever since they drafted our guy Trip. Um, you know it, it pains me to say it, but this is over. Not only not only is the series over. Uh, I just got the press release from Grizzlies communication that John Moran is doubtful for the rest of the series. Um, he's a bone hey. bruise in that knee. Um, you know. I thought that game four on Monday night that, I mean, Jenna, Grizzlies should have won that game. Like yeah. That, again, Imagine if Jaw was on the floor. It, it, but even without Jaw, they were leading for 46 of the 48 minutes, right? Like uh -huh. you, that was the opportunity they had to tie it up, go back two two. Cause then it's like, okay, the pressure's on again, right? At three, one, <laughs> the warriors are feeling a certain level of, yeah, we got this. This is our championship know-how. The Grizzlies mm -hmm. are feeling a little bit deflated and defeated, right? I mean, and they're young. And what you saw, Jenna, in this series, essentially, was experience versus youth in so many 100 percent. The only 100%. game that got away from the Grizzlies was that game three uh, in San Francisco where the Warriors scored like 142 points and just went ballistic. Yeah. But every other game was close and came down to the wire. And the only game the Grizzlies won – was where they were able to make shots on the stretch. But the Warriors, Jenna, in the other two close games, they just execute. And the Warriors' offensive system, the way it's set up, because of all the back cuts, re-screens, and the constant motion. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. The great Hubie Brown says, you set screens for one reason, to make the defense think. Okay, well... If I've been playing a game for 40-something minutes, I'm exhausted, and the Warriors never stop moving. It's like in football, Jenna, you know when a quarterback's offensive line is keeping his jersey clean, like he's got all the time in the world to throw the football because you just can't get past them? Yep. And what do the commentators always say? He's going to find a receiver open because you can't cover people that long when he has that much time. It's the same kind of idea. Eventually, that constant motion is going to wear on you mentally, and you're going to fall asleep for half a second. You're going to make a mistake and not and forget who's supposed to cut where. And that's all the Warriors need. Steph Curry open back corner three. Clay in the corner open three. And it's like, and it, the avalanche starts. To play that kind of defense against that for 48 minutes when you're a young team with limited playoff experience, well, really none, except for this year and a little bit last year, that's what's happening. And what you've seen late in these games, Jenna, is the Warriors' ability to execute and the Grizzlies' inability to do the same thing, right? And that's youth. They just, they haven't been, they haven't had the reps. There aren't enough of those things there because you can see during the course of the game, they can hang and play better than the Warriors at many portions of the game. Yeah. But winning time when it's late and the game is tight and there's pressure, tense moments, 
everyone feels the pressure, but the Warriors have that collective knowledge that, oh, but we've been here before. Like, yeah. we, we know how to manage our emotions in these settings. The Grizzlies don't have that, that kind of experience. They don't know how to manage that. No. And you, you honestly hit the nail on the head so much. You explained it super well because if you notice down the stretch, especially, you know, in the end when the Warriors started to come back, they were feeling it. The casual, even the casual NBA fan would have noticed the, you know how you could read a room, feel mm-hmm. the vibe. Mm-hmm. The Warriors never seemed nervous at all. This is just, all right, been there, done that. We've been in every possible scenario in the postseason together mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. And the longevity that they have, just you could feel the calmness, literally. As the arena was lighting up, mm-hmm. they were just like. We're good. We're not yeah. worried. Sounds good. Yo, yeah. Oh, we have one minute, two minutes left, whatever. No problem. All right. yeah, they, sure. they, they get into their sets and they execute. And Steph Curry, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, was from three was excellent down the stretch, right? Made his clutch free throws, got the oh, ball to the spots everyone. where he wanted, found exactly where he knew where to attack on defense. And the Grizzlies, again, poor shot selection. Dylan Brooks, a three when he was ice cold from the game. Jaron Jackson had a, a move on Draymond, a bunny. He missed at the rim. He makes that, they're up three, right? Mm-hmm. These little moments where you, you miss, they make on the other, right? It's just, and that's how these things go. And look, the, the the Grizzlies will learn from this, Jenna, and will get better. This has been an incredible year for them. Second best record in the NBA. Won their first playoff series as a group against the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Huge. Those, those, first, two, those first two games in Memphis, down to the wire against the, 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 three-time, cha- or the three-time champion Warriors, could have gone up 2-0, right? Like, ha- had an opportunity to do that in, in those games. We talked about game three. Had a chance to win game four. Right, you were leading almost the entire game. Let the rope slip a little bit. Those last ninety seconds or two minutes or so in that fourth quarter. So these are all reference points, so that when they come back next season, they're like, oh no, 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 no. We remember that we we we've been here. We know the level of focus and execution it takes now to get things done against a team with this kind of experience. Right, mm-hmm. and they're, they're they're performing on schedule. They're moving ahead. It'll it'll be a tough pill yeah. to swallow. And of course, not having John Morant, Jenna, is a is, was a big deal. Obviously, he's their best player. He's someone who can settle them down, get to the rim, right? And he he gives them that confidence when he's on the floor, right? Um, yep. and, you know, they're dealing with Desmond Baines, got a little bit of a back injury, so there are things that are happening. But take nothing away from the Warriors' excellence. But the Grizzlies, if you're a Grizzlies fan, the Grizzlies' future is bright. This yeah. off season is going to be very important for them as an organization, right? Like the guys. Ja, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, if those are your four most important players on offense, what makes Steph and the Warriors and these other great teams what they are, those guys, every one of them, come back better the next season. They work on their games and they come back better. That's the challenge now for the Grizzlies. It's like, okay, we did a little bit of this and we got, okay, but we see, oh, there's a whole other mountain we have to climb up to to get to that level, right? And so it's What's the work we're going to put in the lab over the summer to get better? Yeah. And I mean, if that's, uh, you know, you come back better because you build on this mentality and this mental state that you're building. You know how you just mentioned, uh, you know, how the Grizzlies, they're younger. So they're not picking up on, you know, the mm-hmm. movements and where mm-hmm. to go off the pick and roll and everything. Mm-hmm. So that is just building your postseason mind. And yes. now this is just going to build on top of that. And let's also note that they came off of a tough, ass series right before this i mean they fought no doubt 
and no offense to the Warriors or again, diminishing their greatness, but it's like, you're so great that like, no offense, you weren't as gas coming off of your first. Yeah. Season. I mean, they, you know, they, they took care of the Nuggets pretty easily. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the Nuggets of course only had Jokic. They were down their they're two second and third best player. And we talk about reference points, Jenna, right? What makes LeBron James, Chris Paul, the LeBron's on the playoffs, whatever, but like these types of veteran guys so good their brains are supercomputers because they have all the reference points because they've gone through this so many times. So they, they know, like, so Steph, Draymond, Clay, and Draymond, I mean, what a hell of a defensive game he played. Like, I mean, he's, you know, might be the best defender of this generation. You, it's, it's a computer. His brain knows exactly where to be at. All. He knows how to dissect and solve every problem. Well, when you're 22 and this is your first conference semifinals, you ain't got no reference points. Like what? Yeah. You're their just, brains are still developing too. <laughs> their, their baby basketball brains are still developing, right? So this is this is their reference point. So these are they're starting to get their reference points now. And the more and more they go through it, the more they'll get and the better it'll, it'll be for them. It will be. So hey, I mean, if you're predicting right, we'll uh, say goodbye to those grizzly cubs in the next yeah. episode. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, it might take a miracle at this point, especially with draw oh, down mean, for sure. All right, let's move on to some news and notes here because although it is the playoffs, we still got some tea mm-hmm. to drop to you guys. If you've been living under a rock, you wouldn't know that uh, Suns coach, Monty Williams, named Coach of the Year, second consecutive year. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't argue this one, Gerard. I mean, the best record in the league. I mean, and the second time he's won uh, Coach of the Year by the Coaches Association, first time he won it, uh, NBA Coach of the ah. Year. But yes, he, he finished second last year to Thibodeau, but I get your point. One is, the Suns have been the best team in the last uh, regular season wise, the last two seasons. Uh, Marty Williams deserves his flowers and his props. Chris Paul, him, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Monty said it in his speech. It's not just one man when you win this many games. It is about everybody in this collective organization working together with one goal in mind, right? We talk about mm-hmm. that, Jenna. If you're on a boat and it's you're all rowing towards Championship Island, everybody has to be rowing in sync and in the same direction. Can't mm-hmm. be having people doing their own thing. Because you ain't going to get there. <clears throat> Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Unexpected. Pivotal <laughs> moment right there. Drink if you're 21. But let's move on and talk about uh, Nicole Jokic because we got to give him some flowers over here because he is the MVP. That is right, guys. Two consecutive MVPs. Coming off of Giannis, who was also in the running. He had two before that. The first, what was it I saw? The first two uh, uh, international. Yes, the first two non-American American players went back-to-back MVPs. Yep. Yep. Congratulations, Nicole Jokic. Huge debates online, though. Would love your two cents about this. I one. mean, you you know me. I, you know, the, I don't listen to these clowns that do these morning shows. Like, I'm not even going to mention names. Not even Giannis, though, in the competition. People are saying that uh, Embiid. Noel Embiid was robbed. Yeah. I think that's the word I'm seeing. A- ain't nobody robbed, okay? Uh, Nikola Jokic, a more than deserving MVP. Once again, for those of you in the back who don't hear so well, the what? MVP is a regular season award. I know there's a lot for you guys to so understand. Regular season, Okay. Our brains, Jenna, we have these interesting things that happens to us as humans. Our brains get affected by things like different different biases, right? Recency bias, the anchoring effect, different cognitive biases that cause our brains to, you know, so here's what happens. Nikola Jokic, without his number two and number three play, best players, his number two and number three best teammates, lead the Denver Nuggets to the playoffs, not the play-in, 
the playoffs in the Western Conference, okay? Oh, what a time. They're, they're the sixth seed. By the way, they only won three less games than the 76ers and Bucks. Just going to put that out there. Okay. With just him, let's be serious. With just him. Okay. Secondly, we just saw Giannis drop 40-something points. We saw Embiid come back, and the Sixers have now tied that series in the second round 2-2. And what haven't we seen? We haven't seen Nicole Jokic in over a week and a half, two weeks, because his team is out. So our silly human brains go, oh, well, Joel Embiid and Giannis must be better than Nikola Jokic because they're still playing and he's not. Again, it is a regular season award. What happens in the postseason has no impact on it. And this is partly the NBA does this to create drama. The MVP votes were already in at the end of the regular season. They knew who the MVP was. They could have announced it then. They delayed it for a reason, to cause all this online drama and conversation, right, to have this. If it was announced then, would have been over and done with nobody nobody complaining about whatever. But this is this is what they do to create drama. But again, for those of you morons who, you know, don't understand and you're like, oh, it's all about counting stats and you math nerds. No, look at counting stats. Uh, Nicole Jokic, 27, 14, and 8 were his numbers. Yeah, 27, 14, and 8. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, he led ev- uh, all players in what efficiency? He led all players in every advanced stat. Yep, every single one. Okay, and again, so throw away advanced stats because you people who are afraid of math don't like those. You like your traditional counting stats? Okay, I'm twenty-seven, with- fourteen, and eight. Yes, Giannis was averaging twenty-nine. Yes, and beat average thirty. Jokic more rebounds and more assists than both, and twenty-seven points, only two and three points behind. So let's not lose our minds like he was averaging 18 points a game, okay? Anyway, moving on. Jokic deserving MVP. Love it. You know, let's move on because some conspiracy theorists would argue that it's not the league behind the chatter. It's LeBron James (laughs) trying to maybe, you know, stall the league, throw out these rumors because he don't want people to know that there's a little drama happening (laughs) uh, in the uh, purple and gold because Jeannie Buss comes out. This, this woman's phenomenal. She comes out, talks to the LA times and literally lays it all out on the table and says, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied basically says this state of the team is trash. She didn't use the word trash, but I'm using the word trash because it's a fact. But anyway, she comes out and gives this, uh, you know, somewhat cryptic interview, like, oh, I'm going to come out and say, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But this comes literally like days after, I think it was Bleacher Report reported that people in the front office were blaming LeBron James for the failed Russell Westbrook experiment. And then all the other rumors that are going on with the Lakers. Um, talk to me about the the dynasty that is the Lakers. Well, not much of a dynasty right now. Look, I, I'm going to save my nuanced take for tomorrow's episode of NBA Exchange with our good friend Dexter Henry, where we talk about things in nuance. We're going to discuss this, but I will cursory say this. Look, Jenna, you know how I feel about what's happening in LA. I've talked about it all year. This is what happens when you sell out your entire franchise to get stars, right? And particularly old, often injured stars, okay? Now, you won your championship, okay, 2020. You got one. You ain't winning again with this crew. It's just not happening. Let's think about this, Jenna, off the top of my head, if I can remember correctly. Since 2014, the Lakers drafted D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Ibiza Zubac, um, who else am I missing? Uh, Brandon Ingram. 
Um, I'm sure I'm missing some other like awesome players in there, but those were all players the Lakers drafted in mm. the past. You know, they traded all that away because got to get Anthony Davis, LeBron. Gonna go three hundred monster super team. We're gonna yeah. Okay, well, cool. You won, you're one. I bet you'd love to have Brandon Ingram right now. Bet you'd love to have Lonzo Ball right now. They bet use you, their number one pick on Lonzo Ball. Bet you'd love to have Alice Caruso right now, KCP right now. All right, all these players. Kyle who, Kuzma. They drafted Kyle Kuzma. All these younger players who would have helped you. But listen, the Lakers go for superstars. That's what they do. All right, well, hope it was worth it because you're about to be trash for the next, I don't know, seven seasons. Because remember, Jenna, they have no control over their draft for the next five or six years. That was all part of the Anthony Davis deal. So, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is what it is. It's crazy, too. Uh, definitely check that uh, interview yes, out. She, read that. she said something like, uh, we something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, we went out and spent all this money or whatever. And we're keeping a luxury tax, and we... Yes. Well, and I'll get into this tomorrow, but I'll say this right here. The Lakers are not like every other NBA team in that their owners, the money comes from somewhere else. Most of these other owners, their money comes from venture capital, private equity. They have other businesses that make it billions of dollars that make them billionaires. No, not for the Bus family and Genie Bus. The Lakers are their primary business. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where all the money comes from. So that's where some of that concern is. But again, save all that for tomorrow. Make sure you check that out. And folks, uh, you know, another dope episode of the Seven Footers Podcast. You know where to find us. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that. At Seven Footers Pod on Twitter, at Seven Footers Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Jenna Lemoncelli. And until next time, peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we made come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gon' do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Ride around 10, came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene pull up